Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, tuning in from all around the world. This is your host, Steve Zekas, the Sinatra Swab, host of the one and only Dominate the Deal podcast. Today's guest is a badass and very good friend of mine. He is an Amazon best-selling author of his book, The Ink of My Soul and the Fire of My Bones. He is a charismatic and insightful host of his very own podcast, Strength of the Pack podcast. Feel free to subscribe to it. And on top of that, he's an inspiring thought leader who really focuses on building the best version of yourself so you can tackle everything that comes to you in the outside world, both professionally and personally. I'm super excited to hear his message. So with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a good friend of mine and our guest, Ethan DeBrave. Thanks for hopping on, man. Hey, thanks, Steve. Thanks for having me on the podcast. I just want to clarify one thing. I'm, I'm actually not a, a best time selling author on Amazon, but I am a five-star author, just to make that distinction there. All right. I'm not sure of the difference there, but I was like, oh, damn, like he has his book on Amazon. So it's like. Yeah. So how you doing today, man? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing great. Like I said, thank you for hopping on. Um, just real quick before we dive into it, because there's a lot I want to ask you about. Just like, tell me, like, how's, you know, this whole like COVID-19 thing been treating you? Like, how have you been tackling it? Have you been, you know, crushing it? You know, what's your mindset with everything? Definitely. Like COVID-19 definitely weighs like quite a burden on a lot of people. It's definitely an unprecedented event throughout the course of American history to have the country shut down like this. And millions of people have been, you know, adversely affected, but fortunately, I have not been negatively affected yet by COVID-19 and I try to see the opportunity in the time that I've been given to stay at home so I could work on my personal like projects such as I've been recording my audiobook for uh for my book that I published in 2018 The Ink of My Soul and the Fire in My Bones and it's been really cool like having the time to put that together for myself just really just falling in love with the process and just putting the time to record it and try to bring new value. I'm not sure if you've uh, listened to Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins, but what he did in his audiobook is something I'm trying to emulate in mine. He did like a mini podcast after each chapter to like really discuss the principles that he was trying to teach. So I'm trying to do the same thing with my wife. She's going to sit with me and we're going to discuss like the main points in my book. I have an Amazon business that I run as well. I just, uh, private label products that I find and sell them online. Uh, currently just got my first product uh, to the samples to get through and I'm just trying to get my inventory set up. Obviously all the kind of transportation has been uh, delayed between uh, manufacturers and Amazon due to COVID-19. So that's been a little hiccup in the process of business, but ultimately it will be resolved and I'll be able to run my business as planned and start selling. I'm excited for that. Uh, fitness every single day. I, I just now I just came back inside from a four mile run. Probably gonna do some more later. I've been trying to stretch a lot more and just take care of my body. Drink my gallon of water a day and just get going. Value my time. I see you sipping that lemon water like it's a glass of champagne right there. Ah, it is champagne of the gods. <laughs> of course, of course. But you mentioned a lot of great things right there, right? You definitely have your head pointed in the right direction. You definitely see challenges as not necessarily a challenge. You see it as something to overcome. And I want to dive deep into um, the ink of my soul and the fire of my bones, your book here, right? Which 
you know, just give people an idea of the inspiration of you writing that book and really what's the main message that you want to convey. For sure. So the ink of my soul and the fire in my bones. I wrote that book. I published it when I was 22. I started writing it when I was 21. And the premise of it was that I was having a quarter life crisis at 21. And some people will say quarter life crisis at 21. Like you're not even 25 yet. And you have a hundred years to live, but that's just not the case. You know, because a lot of people take for granted how much time we actually have and they underestimate how fast it goes. So my question that I pose to my audience is that does longevity run in your family? Because most people don't live to 100. And if you live to 100, what does it look like? So I was freshly graduated out of college. I was working my first full time job in public accounting. And, you know, even though I was good at accounting, just sitting there just grinding away at my desk, you know, 80 hours a week plus and only getting paid for 40 hours because I'm on salary and I'm just, I'm looking at everyone and in my firm and I just, I didn't see anything to aspire to become. Cause like we have, like I was a junior accountant, then you have your senior accountant who's supposed to be like your mentor and supposed to teach you. Right, and I right. look at my senior and he was only a few years older than me, 27 he was losing all his hair from stress and he was freaking out about it every day. And he's sending emails at one o'clock in the morning from clients and just constantly, constantly working. And I'm just like, is this what I want? Is this the future that I work so hard for? And I feel like a lot of people kind of get stuck in that, you know, it's just like, we'll work really hard on one path for a long time thinking it's the right thing to do, but ultimately it's not the thing that like sets your soul on fire. So that was the moment that allowed me to grow. So uh, the prologue, I talk about having the quarter life crisis, but the rest of my book really just works through the common issues that all people experience, but I frame it through my stories. So just like different hardships I've had throughout my life, like domestic violence was a part of my upbringing. I grew up in poverty and like all I really try to convey to my audience is just that if you have the right mindset, you can succeed. And I just, I share my stories genuinely. And I, I try not to be like one of those motivational speakers that just share quotes and like try to give you what you think you need. But like, I'm just sharing my honest truth, like what honestly happened to me throughout my life and how I endured the hardest moments of my life to persevere forward and create opportunity for myself. That's a powerful message right there. And that's, that's a great source of inspiration you had there. I remember I was watching the other day, um, Wes Watson and Brian Rose. Brian Rose brought him on as a guest. And Wes Watson was like, he's the guy, he's like super hardcore, right? Super hardcore. And his message was like, you have one motherfucking life. You can't fuck it up. And then he was talking. He was like getting really hard. He was getting like really, really raw. And he's saying, it's, so hard when you have such a powerful message it's hard to fuck up your own story because <laughs> when you're speaking the truth it, you don't have to memorize it because you're embodying it you're living it whereas a lie you have to you have to create that script almost and it's hard to memorize it like verbatim you know what i mean so i think that's really powerful what you just said right there 
No, I love that. And like, that's the thing that I really take a lot of problems with. It's just that I see all these people that like put entrepreneur in their bio or like, you know, just try to like convey this message of like motivation, passion, you know, they know every single motivational quote possible. It's a hundred Instagram stories a day. And I'm like, it just, it doesn't mean anything. Like I always say like the knowledge of something is meaningless without action. So, you know, it's just like, you can know all the motivational quotes in the world, but if you're not putting action behind those words and owning those words, then it means nothing to you. You're not getting any benefit from it. 100%. My, one of my mentors, when I first started getting into consulting, he said, you know, Steve, if you want to be successful in this business, don't be a know-it-all, be a learn-it-all. Because the know-it-all, like they'll... They're very, yeah, but they're not coachable and they almost have this sense of, well, as long as I have the facts, I don't have to worry about it. Whereas a learn it all, they're able to take what's there and then apply it and grow with all the experiences that they have right there. So I think that's a great distinction to make. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just like you talk about this quarter life crisis, right? And it's funny to say that um, I went through something similar going out of college. I was a little weary and I didn't know where I wanted to go in my life. So a question that I was thinking about before, you know, before we're on right now is, you know, how, how do you encourage your people to start asking, you know, the tough questions in life? Like, what's my purpose? Why am I here? Like, how do you get them to start reflecting upon those things? I, I think for a lot of people, that those questions are there. They're just buried, right? We bury them under layers of superficial things like reality TV, Netflix, going to the club, drinking. Like, we're, we're constantly running away from, like, the things that really matter because facing them is so intimidating. So to my audience is that, the way that I show them is by living by my words. I show them the actions that I'm taking and then you can't help but start questioning your own life when you see someone else succeeding. And when you see the success, like it's only natural to want to be successful in your own life. So like to me, like that exact same thing happened to me all the time. Like you see people like I published my book when I was 22, but people even younger than me are publishing books. And then, you know, like you see people like a couple of years older than you that are millionaires. And then you just sit there and you're like, what skills did they incorporate into their lives in order to have the life that they have now? And like, to me, it's just that the way I look at everyone is that we're all just people, you know, every single one of us are just people you know and especially now with all the riots and protests and stuff happening and everyone's like kind of taking a team mentality it's just that we're all fighting for the same team we're team humanity so to me it's just like that's so powerful because i play on the same team as all these big players all these pro athletes like you know what i mean like these pro players in in the in entrepreneurship you know like Gary V and I yeah we're both people Tim Ferriss and I both people Joe Rogan both people so if they can form it in their lives I can form it in mine and it all really comes down to forming discipline around your life taking accountability being tenacious and becoming a leader in your own life so like by incorporating those values into your own life you're able to make meaningful change and take strides in the direction that you actually want to go in. 
And you hit the nail right on the head. You said a lot there. I really wanted to dissect. So just just your initial take, because a lot of people, you know, are, there seems to be this energy. There's just a lot of violence in the world, right? And there's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of anger, but there's anger almost directed the wrong way. I just wanted to get, you know, your take just real quick on like, not just like the COVID-19, because like we're starting to get back to business as usual, but like more so about the protesting and like how we interact with people, how we start to see the world in today's day and age. I, th I think the number one most essential thing that all people need to have to just be human is empathy. And, you know, like, I, I'm more on the side of Black Lives Matter. Not even more on the side. I'm on the side of Black Lives Matter because, like, it's just silly to argue against it. It makes no sense to me at all. Like, like how, how are you going to just respond? All lives matter. It's like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> like, no shit. All lives matter. It's like, but the point is, is that Black Lives Matter right now, and, like, they're trying to say Black Lives Matter too. And, like, what's wrong with that? It's like you just watched a video of George Floyd being murdered by police while he was begging for his life because he couldn't breathe. And like the problem is, is that the story is not uncommon. It happens all the time. You know, like Philando Castile a few years ago, he, he told the officer, he's like, I have, I have a gun. I have a license for it. Officer told him to reach for his wallet. The officer shot him in the car after giving him the instruction to get it and his, his girlfriend's in the car, there's kids in the back. And it's just like, it's, it's an atrocity, you know? And then it, it's something that societally needs to be addressed. But like on the extreme end, on the other side, like some people, some of the liberals are like asking for like the defunding of the police. And like that, that would be an overcorrection. Right, right. Uh, I, I think uh, that's a, that's a silly response, but I think what people would want really is just equality, a better system to, to navigate this because police officers are supposed to serve us. They're supposed to serve the people. They're supposed to protect us and protect our rights. And when the people that are supposed to do that, our defenders, take away our rights, what does that say? It leaves us without hope. It puts people into despair. And other people of color just feel deprived of that. They feel second-class citizens to that. And, you know, like, it, it's something that needs to change. So defunding the police, is that the solution? No. Maybe, maybe more training is the solution. Maybe becoming a police officer needs to be a four-year degree in criminal justice where pe police officers focus on de-escalating, psychology, leadership, and communication skills. Like, that would be a great alternative. And like, for me, like, by day trade, I'm a financial analyst. If I chose to go down the CPA route, every single year, I would have to recertify credits in accounting to say that I'm still at the top of my craft. I'm staying up to date with the times and the changes of the law, you know, like, like these are things that could be incorporated that improve the system, you know, and it's just, I, I'm a forever an optimist at heart and I tend to idealize the world a little bit and cause I just have hope. I hope that we can move forward. Like, because we have to, because if we don't move forward from this, it's just going to divide our country further and it's just going to hurt us in the long run. And at the end of the day, just, it's like I said before, we're all just people. We're all just human. hundred percent. That's, that's a really powerful stance. Thank you for sharing that and, you know, for sharing that message. It's, it's tough. Government first responders, they're necessary evils. They're, 
bad there's bad seeds you know there's a bad grape in every bunch and it can spoil the bunch sometimes and it skews that perception but do you think um do you think the news do you think it's very much like a propaganda machine where each side is almost trying to spin it the other way instead of really getting to the honest truth and what you preach with your message yeah, definitely. Like the truth is somewhere in the middle. Like, unfortunately, like news stations do have ulterior motives because they make money based off of how many people are viewing because they, they post advertisements in between, like for the commercials and based off how many people are viewing is how much money they make. So unfortunately, there's always kind of like that undertone of an ulterior motive. Like, like, you know, Fox News is like decidedly Republican. CNN is decidedly Democrat. And like, I'm an independent, like, you know, I'm in the middle of the line. I just want what logically makes the most sense. I want the truth. I don't want someone else's opinion just manipulating me into believing their school of thought. Like something that frustrates me a lot is when I see debates and people just say things, you know, like they say something offhand, but they say it with such confidence that like they're, they're presenting it as a fact and it's just not. You know, like they just say their opinion with such confidence. They think it's a fact and it's not a fact. And it just, it's like, where, where's the due process in that? <laughs> who, who's fact-checking our leaders who are just clearly saying things that are untrue, you know, and like people just eat it up. So I think it's important to be able to discern the truth for yourself just from reading multiple sources of information. I think fact should always supersede belief because a lot of people believe things, but there's no factual basis to support their belief. And that frustrates me to absolutely no end. So you think it's more of a perspective change in regards to changing the political system. It's take the emotions out of, you know, the event that happened, look at the facts and really hone in on the truth. Don't try to spin the truth get it unfiltered have it be like water from the main source like get it from there don't try to filter it down i think passion and leadership is great but facts facts and passion together is fantastic you know like like leaders by nature have to be charismatic right they have to be someone that can rally support to themselves but the problem is is if you're rallying based off lies like and you're just you're you're devaluing an entire group of people who eat up your lives. So like, to me, it's just like emotion shouldn't be completely taken out of it. It definitely matters, but I'm saying facts and emotion can go together. Like it doesn't have to be belief in emotion. And, and the problem is, is like when that combination is made is people start making mistakes and people start hurting other people because of their beliefs. And it, it just doesn't matter across the board. Cause like, you know, like, People in themselves, like something I say in my book is like before the arbitrary labels we choose uh, to give ourselves and the imaginary lines we drew in the sand, we're all just people, you know, we're just people like at our core. So let's stop dividing ourselves based off of beliefs. Like why can't we just operate as a unit to help ourselves? Like we talk about America being the land of the free. So aren't we all free together? You know, why do different groups have to be different amounts of freedom? Let's use our freedom together in order to benefit all of our society rather than select groups. It seems like right now, if I had to put an analogy, uh, paint a picture for the way 
other races perceive other races, you know, whites to blacks, you know, Indians to Hispanics, you know, it, it goes around. So you can pick and choose your examples, but it's almost like if you took, if you took a water tank full of lobsters, right? Every lobster that tries to prop himself up, what's he doing? He's pulling somebody else down. That's trying to raise himself up. So it's almost like, how can you raise somebody up if you're stepping down on them to prop yourself up? You're only going to put yourself back where he was before you fucked with his position. Yeah, like definitely. There's a lot of people that are willing to step on top of others in order to get ahead in life and they don't care who it hurts as long as their position, you know, advances. And that's incredibly selfish and narcissistic. And it's just, it's inhuman to just step on other people to move forward. Like a leader is supposed to lift other people up as they advance. And that's what I hope to do as a leader. I would never step on someone else. So a question in regards to leadership, right? And leading with value. There's, I was actually having this debate with uh, a couple, a couple consultants and a couple people that I've had on with podcasts recently mm -hmm. about self, versus being selfless. What do you believe <clears throat> successful leaders do first? Do you think they focus on building the best version of themselves so that way they can pass that on to other people and be selfless? Or do you think they should give the value first, be selfless, and then based on that value that they're giving people, that's how they're able to build then the best version of themselves? So thinking about that, like there's the journey versus destination kind of perspective on it. It's just like, which one matters more? But to me, I definitely think that you have to develop yourself first before you worry about giving to other people. Like you can do both at the same time. And that's like the kind of political answer to, to do, you know, it's like, why not do both? Right. But realistically, it's like, if you want to give every single person a dollar, right. And there's six billion people in the world and you only have one dollar like how far are you gonna go like not very far so like right, right. The, the, the realistic approach would be develop yourself earn the privilege to teach other people by showing your success to them because like like even joe rogan was talking about this recently he was he had a podcast with kevin hart and he has the exact same gripe that i have it's just that everyone tries to be a motivational speaker they try to give other people motivation because like at our core, I feel like everyone at like a high level just wants to help other people succeed, right? But how can you help other people succeed if you haven't succeeded yourself? So to me, I think it really starts with taking like some humility, understanding that you're in the process, try to learn as much as you can while in the process. And if during that time you, you think you have learned something of such value that you wish to teach other people, go ahead but you're not going to earn the stage and the audience that you really want unless you're taking action with those words in the process and you're actually making advancements forward in your own life. What's the greatest piece of advice you think you've ever received in your life? You know, like it, it wasn't directly given to me. Like I tend to not really ask other people for advice, but I read a lot. And I am a big fan of nonfiction and fiction, but I love like fantasy, right? And in fantasy, like it, it really focuses on the hero's journey. And we watch the hero as he 
He struggles and perseveres throughout all these challenges, trials, and tribulations. And you watch him crumble and build himself back up again. So, like, the lesson that I have taken from that and, like, the advice that I have taken from watching these heroes is that it is possible. You know, like, whenever I frame something in my mind that I want to do, I just tell myself, it is possible. I can have these things because millions of other people have dreamt of the same thing and have done it. So what makes me any different? The only thing that makes me different is my uh, commitment and my conviction to achieving that thing. So you need conviction to achieve. 100%. I agree. I agree 100%. Would you... Having that strong belief, just having that super conviction that no matter what happens, you're able at the end of the day to get the result that you've always been obsessing about almost. Mm -hmm. um, for you, how do you, how do you teach people? How do you advise people to build strong discipline in their life? Yeah, I mean that's one of the things I talk about a lot in my book too. It's just like I have a personal philosophy of mental fortitude. So mental fortitude to me is just making your mind as hard as steel. And like the cool thing about steel is that steel is malleable. You can hammer it into different shapes, different molds to fit whatever need you have, right? So even though steel is hard and it's hard to break, you can reshape it. You can always reshape your mindset to do what suits you best, right? So I try to convey that to other people by just showing them what I'm doing, like a lot of my friends say that like I inspire them and then just people who have read my book like have said that I've inspired them from it. And it's just because I speak so passionately about life because I am passionate about life. I see the opportunity in life rather than the hardship. And I try not to focus on the hardship in life and just learn from my shortcomings in order to persevere forward. I set large goals. I say it out loud and then I do the work to achieve it. And that's how I try to teach others to persevere forward. It's just be bold in your ambitions. Dream like I like something that I also complain about is just that a lot of people like dream when you ask them like what their goal is in life and like what they want to be, they'd be like, you know, it's like, I want to be a millionaire. I'm like, I, I want to own a Lamborghini and you know, this and that. And like, to me, that's just a shallow way to look at life. And I say shallow dreams have shallow graves. So when you think about your purpose in life, do a much better job than just saying you want to be a million, you know, dream bigger. Shallow dreams have shallow graves. That's deep. I never thought of that. And I'm kind of like a, like a philosopher almost. I'm like, damn, like I'm thinking of like all these quotes and like, I try to like read some like inspiring quotes. I'm like, damn, I haven't thought of that one yet, but I'll, I'll patent that for you. <laughs> That's already copyrighted in my book, <laughs> but you know, like that, that is, it was funny, actually. One of my friends who just started reading my book, I published my book two years ago, and she just started reading it for the first time, so it's funny. She's like, did you say this? Or did someone else say this? I'm like, I said this. <laughs> it's my book. You know, like that, that, that exact line, yeah. But you speak with such passion, right? And you really hone in on dreams. You know, were you always growing up, were you always this passionate? Or was there, like, a really low point that you had almost, like, pick yourself up from the ground and 
move forward and build the life that you have now? No, definitely. Like I, I grew up a lot of hardship growing up. My, my parents divorced at a young age and like even before my father left the house, like he was abusive and after he was abusive, like just mental. I was, I think innately, I am just a rebellious person, like at my core. It's like, if you tell me no, I tell you yes, you know? And like my, like one of the, one of the shittier things that my father said to me is just like, I, I'd always try to like prove myself to him and be like, you know, I'm smart. Like I could do things. Uh, like I had like the best grade on this one test and I told him and he, he told me, he's like, that doesn't matter. He's like, when you line up 10 idiots and you pick the smartest of those 10 idiots, what are you left with? And I had no choice but to answer because I'm a kid and I just said smartest idiot, you know? So that's how I was treated like growing up. I was constantly put down, but like inside of me, I always had the fire to just persevere forward. Cause what I decided was after a long time was that no one has the right to define me, but me. So those words that other people are trying to write on my skin, I just scrub them off and I put my own words down. So, you know, others call me a failure. I say I'm tenacious. I'm willing to persevere through that failure. And I'll show those people wrong one day because I will have my chance. I always say that uh, success is the best revenge. So I definitely, uh, revenge driven, it's in there. But that helped me when I was younger. Like the desire to prove those who spoke poorly to me wrong. But now I live for different reasons. Like last year I just got married to the love of my life. And I'm so happy. Like I'm so fulfilled. So thank you so much. So now I don't live for hatred. I live for love. I live for the love of my life. I live for the love of my wife is Vinny. I live for my best friends. I live for my brother and my mother. And I just try to, do the best that I can to give them the best that I can. 100%. And now hearing you speak and listening to your podcast, the Strength of the Pack podcast, I was looking up a quote the other day about wolves because I actually have two dogs, right? One yeah. of them is a hound and the other one actually is a wolf. It's, I think it's a Carolina swamp dog. Apparently oh, wow. they were their direct descendants of Asian wolves. So when people are like, Oh yeah, like I got this little chihuahua, like, you know, like the blonde bimbos who, you know, have those little boob dogs right there. <laughs> right. Well, I was like, yeah, like I have a wolf, no big deal. Right. And they're just like, Whoa, that's so cool. But how it pertains to this quote was the strength of the wolf pack is in the wolf. And I think the strength of the wolf is in the pack. So it makes sense because seeing you like a phoenix almost pick yourself up from the ashes and build yourself up, right? You have a lot of internal strength to do that. And as a result, you inspire the right people in your life. And that circle is determined by the strength of the wolf. So it all like comes full circle. Yeah, that's, that's exactly the ethos of my podcast. That's why I named it uh, Strength of the Pack. It's based off of a poem by Royard Kipling called The Law of the Jungle. And that's what it says. It's just uh, the strength of the wolf is the strength of the pack. And the strength of the pack is the strength of the wolf. And 
you know, like some people like think about spirit animals, stuff like that. And like, you know, everyone thinks they're a wolf, tiger or a lion or something. But like, to me, like, I, I feel that I really embody those wolfish qualities. It's just like, to me, it's just, I am strong enough to survive on my own and be the lone wolf, but I will thrive when I find my pack, when I find the people that want to operate on the same level, that have the same hunger and ambition for life. Like in my book, I wrote a poem about the wolf and it's just like how it ends. It's just never satisfied, always wolfish. And that's just how I look at life. Being a wolf attack, being relentless, I think that's really powerful and it kind of speaks to you having a strong sense of identity also, but also having a good sense of the people who inspire you. So in your opinion, who are like your top like three, four people who inspire you most in your life? Definitely. Um, throughout, throughout my, it's not necessarily in my life, but just like different people that I've learned from sure. throughout the years that have inspired me. Like probably number one would be Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like that man just accomplished so much. Like not even just like as a bodybuilder, like he was an immigrant, he came to the United States, he became like Mr. Universe seven times. He became like the governor of California. He started movies and just like this relentless discipline to succeed. It's just, that resonated with me. Just like that, like, you know, people talk about the American dream, but they talk about it lightly. They talk about it without conviction. And he came here with conviction to succeed. Like him, I think about, I think about Joe Rogan, like Joe Rogan really, really inspires me. Like I, I love his podcast. I love what he does. I love the conversations that he's able to have and just like the freeness of his conversations. Like he never wanted to bind himself to someone else and have to play by their rules in order like to meet their requirements. He'd rather create something brand new for himself and just see where it goes, you know, just do his best and see where it goes. And that's what he did. And now here he is, you know, he's the giant amongst podcasters and, you know, the UFC and so on. People value his opinion. You you know, beyond that, He's actually signed a $100 million deal with Spotify. That's all I feel. Yeah. It's pretty badass. Yeah. Like he, he signed a deal with Spotify, but he didn't give away his rights to how he produces the show. So that was just business savvy. That, that I really liked because he would never, ever, ever take on a producer. He'll never do that because it would just, it would fuck up his whole flow. Like, would do you want to defer to anyone else for like what you say? and how you want God, to run no. your show? No. no. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I would never sell my freedom to, to someone like that. I'd rather just keep doing it my way. And for him, that was a super smart move. $100 million, Jesus. Like, that's a lot. <laughs> uh, since you asked before, uh, a couple more would be, like, Tim Ferriss. He helped me a lot when I was working. I just listened to his podcasts and just learned from experts and just someone that's just – you know, anally retentive and just like constantly persistent to just learn more. And lastly, just my wife, of course, like she genuinely inspires me every day. She, we talk about it all the time and we always say that we're each other's enablers. And it's just that I'll never shoot down any of her ideas or anything she's passionate about. Just if she tells me she has a goal and even if it sounds crazy, I'll be like, okay, how do we do it? And she does, she returns that in favor to me and like that that really helps me succeed it's having it's having a better half that thinks positive like you positively like you it's ambitious in the sense that 
you both have goals and you both want to have like a sense of fulfillment in achieving your dreams. But at the same time, you know, there's almost like a mutual respect. You're able to help each other out and grow as a result. I think that's awesome. Yep. First member of the Wolf Pack. <laughs> right on, man. Right on. There's, I wanted to ask you this, right? Cause you have, you have really good energy about you. You have this very masculine vibe. You're very comfortable in your own skin. I wanted to ask you because with everything going on, I feel like people are just so goddamn soft. It's like, we live in such a, like a PC world. Like we can't take a joke. Like we don't understand almost core values. What that like, phrase even means do you think there's a masculinity crisis today uh i I wouldn't phrase it as a masculinity crisis like i think those like looking at things as masculine or feminine i think is a little antiquated i just think people can be resilient there might be like a resiliency crisis and it's just that like like you talk about with jokes right like like comedians complain about it all the time it's like they they tell a joke And it's just to be funny, you know, like they tell a joke, that's a profession. And people are like, you took it too far, this, that. Like those kind of people suck. Like I hate those people. Like when when it's people that are like speaking out against like racism or like institutional discrimination and stuff like that, that, that's not a like, you know, masculinity, femininity thing. I think it's just them taking a stance and I respect that. But to me, my complaint of a lot of people is that they don't have resilience you know it's just like at the first sign of hardship or someone says something mean to you and they crumble and like to me i'm not like that like i try to just look at everything with like a bulletproof perspective you know it's just like someone tries to shoot at me it just bounces off you know sticks and stones break my bones like like all that kind of stuff it's just like words don't mean anything to me the only words that matter are really my own and my wife like like if she tells me that i'm fucking up like i'm gonna listen to her but anyone else like I really just don't care about their opinions because they don't matter they don't understand me they don't know my potential only I know my potential and I think that's where people get frustrated you know like they they feel victimized or they identify with being a victim and like why do you want to identify as being a victim in your own life like just identify as something stronger like you can be more than your experiences like And even if you're like one of these like second class, you know, quote unquote, second class citizens in the country and you feel that you're being discriminated against, like just, you know, state your purpose, strive to do better, strive to change the system that you want to change and believe it. You know, people will stand with you. You're not alone. Like, like you're never alone is where a lot of people kind of, they kind of fail to understand that. Like you're never alone. Like, there are always people that think the same as you. There are always people that are experiencing the same hardships as you. And some people have it way worse. And I always try to operate with that in mind. It's just a lot of people have it a lot worse than me. So what right do I have to complain? 100%. Do you think that's really powerful? That's really inspirational in that regard. Would you say it's easier for people to perhaps feel a little more insecure about themselves and almost take the easy way out? just because it's like, oh, well, you know, it's a little too hard. Like back in the day, it was like you had to stand for something. You had to give a shit about yourself and go towards something where 
like, do you just think it's easier for people to just kind of like call it quits and embrace the victim mentality? That I'll agree with. Like we've definitely enabled it a lot more in like the past decade and social media is kind of part to blame for that. Social media creates a lot of good, but it also creates a lot of bad. And people are too eager to wear the badge of victim because it gets them support on social media. Like, you know, like, like one, one that I think that gets abused a little too much is uh, like, especially, you know, coming out of college, everyone's like, I have anxiety, I have depression. And just, you know, statistically, the odds are is that you don't, you know, not, not everyone in college has diagnosed anxiety, diagnosed depression. Like there is a difference between feeling anxious and having an anxiety disorder. There's a difference between feeling sad and having depression. And like, we're too quick to jump to those labels because it's almost like they think they're putting on like a bulletproof vest that excuses them from like trying harder. Like I, like I've, I've met people, I've been friends with people that are like obese or like, you know, like in college, like they're not trying and they're they're cause finals are coming. Like they're freaking out and they're just lashing out and eating whatever the fuck they want, doing their thing. And I'm like, why, why are you, why are you doing that? You know, it's like, I have anxiety. I'm like, do better than that. Like, don't, don't, don't say you have anxiety. Like when you, you're, you're not diagnosed or anything. Like, did a doctor tell you you have anxiety? No. It's like, take accountability. Yeah. You're anxious. You have a test coming up. It's a normal response. Like, you know, anxiety is not a bad thing. Honestly, I kind of enjoy it. Like, cause I, you know, masochist now, but like, like for one thing I used to do, I used to be a debater. And I would go to conferences and like debate in front of a couple hundred people and just like pitch my case and see how it goes. But like right before you get on stage, you know, right before you do any sort of public speaking, you kind of get like that, that your heart starts pounding a little harder. You get like that tingly sensation. And like, to me, like that's where people start panicking. You either embrace the moment for what it is or you run from it. So to me, I embrace it. I'm like, I'm ready. I'm ready to go on stage. It's like the, the key tool to, to defeat your anxiety is preparation. Be prepared. Stop making excuses for why you can't have the things that you should have in your life. Stop making excuses as to like why you're not healthy. Like being healthy matters. Like, like self-love also gets like abused to hell. Like, you know, it's just like, yeah, like loving yourself is great. Like, like I think you should have self-confidence. That's something you should develop on your own. You should develop a sense of identity. You should be okay with your body. Like me, like I love fitness. Like I'm, I don't have a six pack yet, you know, but like, I'm not like sitting here like self-flagellating like, cause I don't have a six pack, you know, I'm just like, yeah, I'm taking steps like to be where I want to be, you know? And it's the same thing for like people that are obese, you know, we shouldn't glorify obesity, you know, like putting 400 pound people on the front page of Cosmopolitan and stuff like that. Like, like the plus size thing. Okay. Like, you know, like that's fine. Like I think people, some people have average, most people have an average body. Right. So like, why not market it towards it? That's fine. But we don't have to go to an extreme where we start like, you know, 400 pounds is, is beautiful. Like, you know, and like, it's, yeah, it's, that's ridiculous. That's it's ridiculous. It's just logically doesn't make sense. It's like you're, you're at a health risk. 
Like, you're going to die young. And, like, some people say, like, ridiculous shit in response to that. And they're like, it's like, well, I'd rather live a life I enjoy that I die young in than live a long life that I don't. Like, that's stupid. Like, it's not going to be a short life that you enjoy. Because if you're 400 pounds, you're going to suffer. It's going to hurt. Like, your body physically cannot support that amount of weight. Your knees are going to go. You're going to find it hard to walk. You know, like... Your heart is going to hurt. You're going to be out of breath going up a couple stairs. Like our bodies are machines and they're meant to be used, you know, like you don't have to be ripped, like to be healthy, but you know, you should exercise. Like you shouldn't be 400 pounds. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. I, I just think it's like, dude, it, it's crazy how like some of the most selfish people in terms of like entrepreneurship, in terms of philosophy, right? There's such a misconception about like how rich people, right? Oh, rich people are so bad. Like there's such a bad stigma about money. And it's almost like, it's like the, the people who are the most selfish are the poor people because they're always expecting a handout almost. Whereas the rich people, maybe they do have bad character. Maybe they're, maybe they're just a bad person in their heart. Maybe they just don't have good values. Okay. But at least, at least the rich person, the wealthy person can give back more to the community and give, contribute more value to the world than the poor person who has the same bad character. Yeah. Like I, it's a, it's a weird topic. Like it's, it's weird. Like how we view like the wealthy and successful in American society. And it's like, I'm a capitalist at my core I believe in the American dream and like, you know, some people work their asses off and they have nothing, they achieve it. And I, I respect that. Amen. But do I wish the door, the door to that life was uh, a little more open? Yeah. Like to me, I don't believe in equality of outcome, but I do believe in having fair opportunities to succeed. Like for me, it's like, you know, not to toot my own horn, but I operate as an outlier from my community. Like my high school had a 60% graduation rate. Like we had, we scored a 13% out of a hundred for college readiness score, but I graduated and I went to college and I found a profession and I graduated college. And, you know, like the thing is, is that like mindset really determines the end, but not all people have access to it. Like if I wasn't so naturally resilient, I could have crumbled. You know, I grew up in poverty. I struggled constantly to just find money to get to school. Like, you know, I'd constantly be cashing in my coins for gas, you know, and it's just like, I can empathize with people, like, especially now in COVID, like, currently I'm unemployed. I'm on a break of service from my current job. Once COVID ends, I'll just go back. But people haven't been paid their unemployment yet. Like, you know, we've been in this crisis since like March, like a critical level and people haven't gotten paid yet. I haven't gotten paid yet. I've been waiting for 10 weeks. You know, most people can't survive that. So with those people, I empathize with because a lot of Americans live, you know, paycheck to paycheck. And like, I can understand their frustration of, of needing more, but like some things are ridiculous. Like, you know, like, like minimum wage, like it should vary on like a state to state level because we there's a different cost to living in every state and like with that argument i get that it shouldn't be a federal thing it should be a state to state thing because the whole purpose of minimum wage was to give you the minimum amount of money possible to sustain life 
And minimum wage in certain places is, is poverty. It's literally poverty. It's like under $17,000 a year. People aren't getting enough hours. Like, like those arguments I get, like, you know, like for the state, like federal level doesn't make sense. But like, there's nothing wrong with wanting more opportunity. But I don't think making yourself a victim because you're poor and just like, ah, oh, the fuck the 1%. Like, you know, like that, that's not a productive conversation. It's not going to go anywhere. But you know, maybe if we all kind of work together a little more, we'd find a better solution. Like a lot of these millionaires and billionaires give back and a lot of people that are poor become rich, you know, just with the right circumstances. I was reading uh, the other day, I think it was on YouTube. It was either watching a video or I was reading uh, Carl Jung. He talked about this principle of the shadow, right? Where there's light and there's darkness. And he said, tapping into more of your untapped potential, you go into the shadow. Basically what he's saying is, you know, embrace the fear, go into the unknown, really take accountability and step out of your comfort zone, right? So having that mindset that you are accountable for everything in your life, what are some things, what are some routines that you do every day to really empower you and to put you in a good state of mind to take on your day definitely i completely agree with that school of thought like jocko willink teaches the same thing with extreme ownership and that's what i try to embrace into my own life is that i like the scariest thing in the world is that we're in control right you're in control of where your life goes right so for me things that i do on a daily basis to help me stay in control and stay focused is i meditate every day for at least just like 10 minutes even. And it just calms you down, helps you focus, sift through your, your thoughts, let go of any anxiety or sad thoughts you might have in the day. I exercise every day, which it's important. Like our bodies are meant to move. We're not supposed to sit in front of the TV all day and watch Netflix. Like, you know, like we're supposed to do more with our lives. And then I try to read, try to learn new things every day. I network every day. I use, uh, you know, Bumble actually has a networking side on it. Like not, not for dating or anything. You're shitting me, right? I swear to God, dude, it's, it's amazing. Like I have met some genuinely awesome people on it and I just, you know, I just swipe through and you meet some cool people. I met like a stand-up comedian. I met this other guy who fights robots online. Like, you know, like just like cool random things like that. And like, you know, I network every day. I try to do photography at, at, at least on a weekly basis because that just helps me relax. And, you know, I just, I just stay on my, my purpose. You know, like a lot of people fall off their purpose once like their schedule falls to shit. Like to me, it's just like, it doesn't matter when I do things. It just matters that they're done. Like, you know, like, am I getting up at, at 5 a.m. anymore? Like with not working? No. Like, like, why would I get up at 5 a.m. To, to work out and rush and get everything done? Like, I, I was forced to, like, when I was doing, like, the day job. Whereas now I have unlimited time, like, to do whatever I want, whenever I want. And that's how I approach it. Like, getting restful sleep at night. That, that's huge. A lot of people skimp on their sleep. And some people go too much with their sleep. Like, they overdo it. But sleep is so, so, so important. Like, just for brain function, your hormones, everything. So I've definitely been focusing on improving that as well. You mentioned something that I wanted to ask you a little bit more about. Um, 
when I was going through struggles in my life and I was looking for the right career and things didn't come up right away, right? I treated looking for the right opportunity as a full-time job, right? So I would get up at the same time, you know, try to have the same routines. Um, I think that's kind of surprising that you didn't keep the same routines where maybe you didn't get up at five o'clock every day. Do you think now, like, when you get back to, you know, business as usual, do you think it's going to be harder for you to, you know, get back in those routines? Not at all. Like I said before, like my mind is steel. It's malleable, but strong, you know? And like, I could just shift, like I've shifted so many times. Like it's about doing the thing that gets you the most value today. Right. So with me getting up at 5am today, like give me extra value. No, like it does, it doesn't, do anything to give me more value in my day. So like I still got everything done that I wanted to get done. So it's fine. Like I, I've had so many different get up times. At one point I, I traded uh, financial derivatives and I would get up at two o'clock in the morning to trade on the London exchange market, go to the gym at four o'clock in the morning, then go to work, then go to school. And like, you know, I would do that because that was the mandatory course of action in order to succeed. Like, you know, I could, I could have slept in to like eight o'clock if I wanted to and, you know, get all that extra sleep, but that wasn't an option in college. I slept four hours a night because that's what I needed to do in order to make money in order to stay, uh, you know, fit and to, you know, just go to a job, build a career, go to school, get the grades. Like I did, I always do what I have to do, you know? And as long as I'm achieving my critical task at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter when you're doing it. It just matters that it's done. Bottom line is the bottom line. So with that being said, you know, what do you think in your opinion has been the greatest accomplishment that you've ever had up to this point? Ooh, that's a tough one. Yeah. Like I'd have to say writing my book and publishing my book would, would probably be the biggest because it was really def a defining moment for myself. Because I could have just chosen to go down the traditional route, become a CPA and do that, right? But I chose to be rebellious again and just feed to my natural nature and just persevere and do what I wanted to do. Other people would tell me, you know, oh, no, get your CPA, then write a book, then do that. Like, why am I going to invest 200 hours into something that I don't want? You know, so me writing my book is like the ultimate symbol of my rebellion, my mindset, and it's the crowning achievement I've made thus far. But is that the end? Can I soar higher than that? Absolutely. And I will, you know, it's just that we all have accomplishments that we, we make throughout our lives, but we should never glorify the past. We should just kind of take stock of those moments. Remember them, remember what we're capable of and just strive forward. 100% dude. Like I said, you're just, one nail after the other, ping, ping. You're just taking the hammer and you're just nailing them. I was reading, um, you mentioned something about how can you look forward with, you know, your head turned back. It reminds me of, uh, I think it's Dante's Inferno, a book, a book. And he takes, Dante's the poet, and he takes his friend down the circles of hell, right? And mm -hmm. one of the circles was, I was either the fifth or the sixth one. I think it was for like, 
people who are like clairvoyants, like, you know, tarot card readers, like these magicians almost. And their punishment for all eternity was they, the winds kept blowing them side by side, but when they tried looking forward, their head was always turned back. So they're always looking backward and they're always uh. moving around. So it really, I think, comes full circle when you talk about identity because you have a strong identity. So now you just know to go forward. You don't have to worry about the past because you've embraced the lessons you learned in the past. And now you can just, okay, wolf mentality. Yeah, definitely. It's just like embrace the dark, like you embrace the shadow with the Carl Jung, embrace the darkness in your life. Like don't run from it. Don't let it define you. Just accept that it happened. And that's the only way you can move forward. That's like what my book focuses on. Like I focus, like it's my book. The underlying transition in my book is like from darkness to light. And like, I focus on like the hardest things in my life that like I had to persevere through in order to get to the light. And like, I only got there by accepting that they happened, you know, like, like this happened in my life and no matter how I look at it, it happened, but how I choose to let it affect me is completely up to me. Like we can, we all suffer, but how long we suffer is up to us. So to me, I, I embrace those things. I've learned from those experiences and I don't fight it anymore. Like, you know, I just, I just move forward because it doesn't matter. You know, all that matters is what I can become, not what I was. Absolutely. Like I said, just, just looking forward instead of looking back in that regard. Um, it's very, it's enlightening, you know, having, having just the masculine presence, right? Being vulnerable and being able to reveal yourself and share your true message with people. Do you think um, with masculinity, sometimes people misconstrue that? And what, I, what I mean by that is, you know, masculinity you know people are taught you know you have to be brave and you have to harbor everything in but do you think that causes more pain when you're not allowed to like truly express yourself and be able to you know have more empathy towards others in that regard yeah that's definitely that's definitely like a tough thing to dissect like i totally get what you're saying like you know like especially now in our society like people talk about like toxic masculinity where like men aren't able to do those things right but like I kind of have like a, a combination of vulnerability. I'm vulnerable, I'm vulnerable with the right people or like the people that read my book. I'm super vulnerable. I just show transparently what happened to me, the worst shit in my life, the best shit in my life. And I move on. But like in my day to day life, I'm a little more stoic and like, I'm not the type of person to wear my heart on my sleeve. And I don't think that's, there's anything wrong with that. But I just think having empathy, like, that's just something everyone should have. Like everyone should incorporate that into their lives, like man, woman, whatever. Like, it's just, it's okay to feel sadness as a man and it's okay to talk about it with other people, but you just do it with people you trust and you'll be okay. Like you don't have to bottle everything up. Like, I think that's one of the reasons why men have higher suicide rates than women. And it's because, you know, they tend to bottle things up. Uh, I'll handle it myself, I'll figure it out on my own, you know, like th those are normal things. And sure, some things we can figure out on our own and we don't need other people's help. But if you're really struggling, you got to talk to someone. Like, you know, you got to, if not a trusted friend or family member, you got to talk to a professional and just work on through it because there's, there's always people out there that are willing to help. Honing in on spreading your message of, you know, filling up 
your strongest self, giving value towards other, and speaking the honest truth. What are some of the long-term, bigger picture goals you have for yourself for the next three to five years in your life? Definitely. Like I'm, I'm always thinking about those things and you know, some things change, some things don't, but in the next year I'd like to buy myself a house. I want to move south to Texas and buy myself a beautiful home there with my wife and get another dog. So that's, that's like kind of like number one of like my short term, like one year goals. But beyond that, you know, just the classics of like, you know, create financial freedom help as many people as I can grow my podcast, write more books. Like I've always dreamt about giving a Ted talk and like in order to actualize that dream, I have to earn the right to be on the stage. You know, like a lot of people like sign up for TEDx's, but like they, they haven't done anything, you know? And like, it, it just doesn't mean anything. Like it has to mean something for you to be on stage. So I want to create a life that means something for me to speak to others. Like I, I think my public speaking ability is like one of my strongest abilities as well as my writing. So I want to cultivate those skills in order to serve as many people as possible. Uh, you know, and I just want to keep exploring my passions. Like, you know, like they say, like a lot of rich people, like they get sad you know, because they, they, they don't know what to go on their life and yep, everyone yep. like that's poor. Like, you know, it's like, I'd rather cry on my Lamborghini. Like, like I'll never, I'll never be one of those people though. Like to me, it's just like my, my target of self-actualization is forever moving. Like I can always improve myself in some small way or learn a new skill. Like I'm constantly interested. I want to get back into martial arts like I've done in the past and, you know, just do the things that I love, travel, learn languages, studying Japanese for free on Duolingo. I'm basically fluent in Spanish. And like, you know, it's just, I just want to keep learning and growing. And, you know, that's a forever moving target. 100%. Self-realization is almost like an aphrodisiac. You're naturally, you have this natural high on life feeling almost because you live with just such like passion. You know what I mean? Like you don't look to the outside to solve an internal problem. Like you just have a strong sense of self in that regard. I think that's fucking badass. to be honest with you. Ah, thanks. I, I'm excited. Maybe not aphrodisiac excited. <laughs> no, no, no. But, no. Uh, like, not? <laughs> I'm, kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, but I'm kidding. But, but no, thank you though. Like to me, it's like, how can you not be passionate about life? Like it's, when you really think about it, it's just so weird that you're like, we're even alive. You know, it's just like, we didn't ask for this, but we're here, you know, now, like by whatever circumstances, you know, and randomness in the world that, that created this, we don't have to live our life by circumstance. We can choose to live with discipline, action, determination, passion, just fucking love for being alive. And that's, that's what I have. Like I will never regret being alive. You know, because I have opportunities that blow my mind every day. And the things that I'm able to see and experience, it's supernatural. It's like you go to another country and you just see, like, the beauty of nature. And just, just like, what other societies and other cultures have made. And these huge monuments to human perseverance and these, these huge architecture. Like, you know, it just, it just, wow. It's like, damn, the best of us can make that. So what can I make? And that's just how I look at life. You, you hone in a lot um, just to kind of harp back on what you said before, on top of everything you just mentioned there, you know, 
going to other countries, really seeing different cultures, appreciating more of what we build in the universe and how it's been a part of our history, having a greater understanding of where we come from and how we've developed over time. But you mentioned public speaking. Would you encourage everybody to hone in on public speaking and at least just like take a class or two to improve their speaking skills? Yeah, definitely. Like public, so like in terms of your podcast with like dominate the deal and negotiating, like it's just, uh, public speaking is incredibly important. Like you have to be able to articulate your thoughts in order to get people to listen to you. Like, so like even if it comes down to like asking for a raise, like from your, from your boss or something like, like something that I always do whenever I go for a job is that I just raise whatever they say that the salary is by like at least 10 to 20%. Because if you sell yourself at a premium and you can back it up with your words and sound premium, they might just give it to you. You know, you might be surprised with how powerful words are. And if you can convince other people to see your perspective, that's an extremely powerful tool. So, you know, great power comes great responsibility. So I hope you use it for good. You try to help other people with your words. And that's, that's my ultimate goal. Like I want to just be able to help people with my words. So if you're someone like that and you just, you see the things that are wrong with the world and you want to help others, definitely cultivate your public speaking. Anyone can benefit from being a better speaker because you know, it's just, it's just natural. It's human. We speak all the time. <laughs> Fair enough. You mentioned earlier um, something that you wanted to do was be a TEDx speaker, get on, you know, center stage, have the spotlight on you, whole world's watching, you're hanging on to your every word. If you were to give a speech, let's say you were going to give a speech this Saturday, 100,000 people <laughs> watching your speech, what would your main message be? True wealth comes from within and with tenacity anything is possible it's that you know like a lot of us think we're we're just poor like you know financially poor or whatever but like the real wealth comes from within it's like having a having a wealth of self like a wealth of identity a wealth of love inside of you is it's it's important and we tend to neglect that aspect of our lives so I would really try to teach people to hone in on valuing themselves in order to create value in their own life because all growth starts from within. Like you're not going to see the financial growth until you grow as a person. Fair enough. Entrepreneurship is not what you do, it's who you are. Having that mentality that just because you own a business it's not necessarily what you do. It's you want to help people. You have a certain set of core values and that aligns with say your ability to start something. That's part of your vision. Like Bill Gates, right? He started Microsoft, I mean, dropped out of college and created his own computer, but he's very tech savvy, creative, ambitious. He had a vision, all those core values he had, aligned with those abilities that he had and that's how he made Microsoft such a big powerful brand. Yeah, like vision is essential to leadership. You have to have a vision of the future in order to be a leader. Like a lot of people kind of mix up management and leadership and they think just because you're in a position where you can boss other people around that makes you a leader and it, it doesn't. Like a leader has to envision a better future 
has to set goals and has to inspire other people to want to work towards those goals, not, not force them to comply, <laughs> you know, and that's, that's really what I believe in my heart. Like I want to be a leader in my lifetime and I want to be able to inspire people to envision better futures for themselves by doing the internal work that we need to do in order to have the confidence, the resilience and the fortitude to just go forward. Like, you know, like I, I'm so frustrated cause I always see the potential in other people. And when I see people not striving to reach that potential, I just don't get it. Like what's the point of mediocrity? Like it's just an unsatisfying way to live and you're going to feel unsatisfied at the end of the road when, you know, you retire from your job and at 65 and it just doesn't matter, you know, like we're all replaceable. So why work for someone else's vision, work for your own, you know, just dream bigger. It's something I really try to convey to other people. I was reading a book the other day by John C. Maxwell, 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. And one of the main chapters he hones in on, um, Ethan, is about vision. And the analogy he makes is, imagine a boat, right? Anyone can steer the boat, but it takes a true leader to navigate the course. Mm -hmm. Just because someone has the skill set to say, be an email copywriter, or someone is able to be an accountant or an insurance guy, or can work a trade, that doesn't necessarily mean just because you master that skill that you understand big picture in your life, that you have vision. But if you have a vision, then the skills are going to come naturally because you're going to grow so much where it's just like, okay, what's next? I own a business. I got to get really good with investing in myself and got to get really good with financing. So you'll teach yourself right away how to do your own books. Okay, I got to work on leadership. Knock that out. Boom. What's next? And it just builds upon itself. Yeah, like 100%. It's like something else, you know, people kind of get stuck with is like, you are not your job. Like I am, I work as an accountant, but like, that's not it. Like that's not the only title that I, I want to take for, for me, Ethan, the accountant, like, you know, like it sucks. Like, no. like I could do better than that. I think everyone should have a few hyphens after their name. Like Ethan, the accountant, author, podcaster, photographer, you know, athlete, like, like do more, like have vision. Like, don't be afraid to pursue the things you want to do. Like, one of my friends recently, I'm super proud of him. Like he, he kind of had one of those moments. He said he was listening to my podcast and he was like, fuck, he's like, I want to do more. Like, you know, he's like, he's so smart and he's a talented writer and he loves football. So he just started writing, you know, news articles about the jets and it's awesome. Like he's like, I don't watch football at all or any sports really for that matter. But like, I can still appreciate the effort that he's putting into something and it's inspiring and he's trying to envision a different career for himself or like something more in sports marketing. And like, uh, he, and on the side, I think he's hilarious. I think he's so funny. He always does like crazy funny things. So now he made like a TikTok, and he's trying to get like an audience there and he brews his own, you know, alcohol. He makes mead and like all this cool stuff on his own at home. And I'm like, bro, explore your passions. Like you are not your job. Like you're your own person with your own passions and your own loves. And, you know, it's just, I, I hate that. Like 
we kind of push everything off to the side as a hobby or as a when I have time kind of thing. And like, yeah, there are times in our life when we have to like buckle down, you know, in order to create the freedom that we want. But I want to live a life that just lets me freely explore my passions because I just love life. Like I love learning new things and just seeing what my body is capable of, you know, with like martial arts, like you see people move their bodies in incredible ways and they do things that are like impossible. And it's just, that's just like the embodiment of discipline. It's like what you're capable of when you really put your mind towards something. You can even smash through concrete. Like, you know, it's just like crazy, crazy potential lives in all of us. And why aren't we chasing it? You know? Favorite boxer and favorite MMA guy? Oh, you're asking? Uh, uh, I don't really watch boxing. Uh, I do watch MMA. And it's like, not, not even like very consistently, but, you know, of course, who doesn't like McGregor? I used to have a lot of respect for, for Ronda Rousey, but I lost a lot of respect for her for how she lost, like because of how she handled losing. But like how Conor McGregor handles losing is like a true like warrior mentality. He's like, I lost today, but I'm not done, you know? So like someone like him, like I love that. Like even though he, he like showboats and he talks a lot of trash and stuff, at the end of the day, he is a true competitor. Like at the end of the day, like he loves the sport. He loves fighting. He loves testing himself, you know, in order to go go forward. Like I, I like the Luke Rockhold a lot too, because he's super disciplined. Like he fucked up Alex Weidman in and Alex Weidman like is like super cocky. He's like, I wanna be the best, you know, and like he kinda goes with that energy. And he got destroyed by Luke Rockhold because he was disciplined focus and just knew he had it in the bag and like i like that kind of energy fighting is like the purest form of competition 100 percent. i remember uh watching like older ufc i remember when like anderson Silva was like at a super super prime before like you know he lost to um chris wyman twice um i remember chael sonan he was such a great hype guy right he would always just like oh yeah like he would lose the title fight. He'd just get his ass whipped. And then he would, like, come back. He'd give, like, the greatest press conference. I'm like, all right, this guy's about to get knocked out again. You watch. Give him the chance, Dana. Just please give him the chance. And it's great. He had confidence in himself. But it's like, dude, like, you got to pick yourself back up. Surely enough, yeah. in the spotlight, just getting his ass whipped in the first round. It's like, dude, when are you going to learn? Like, the, the cockiness goes so far. I think that's mm-hmm. what really – I think that's what makes Conor McGregor, in my opinion, so transcendent. It's not only the fact that he's been a champion in multiple weight classes. He has, he's very confident in himself. He's got the humility to accept defeat. He never lost his hunger. And frankly, he's like a philosopher because a lot of his fighting ability and the way he thinks about fighting, it's very similar with Bruce Floyd. Yeah, yeah, I love Bruce Lee. Like, he, like another good example, I, I didn't think about it before, is uh, Israel Adesanya, like the, the style bender. And like his whole thing is that he just changes his style to whatever suits him best in that moment. And I love that. Like martial arts should be fluid. It shouldn't be rigid. It just there's so many different fighting styles. It's not a matter of which one is best. It's about which one is best in that situation with the right timing. Like, you know, and like, I love martial arts for that reason. Like I've done Taekwondo and Muay Thai, Jiu Jitsu, Q 
Kyoko Shenkai karate and like doing these different forms is exciting because I'm able to like amalgamate all these different styles together, create my own form. And it's just, it's so satisfying to see yourself get better at using your body. Like, you know, like when you're able to throw, like when I was able to throw like my first like perfect roundhouse kick, damn, that was satisfying. I was like, Ooh, now I get it. It clicks, you know? And like, when you understand how to use your body, like my friends, like, well, we like playing pool and stuff. And usually in those pool holes, they have like that boxing machine. Oh yeah. You yeah punch yeah. in and tells you how hard you hit. And like, I just body that thing. Like, like we go with my friends and like, I, I'm the martial artist of the group. And like, you know, like they're all throwing their, their punches or hooks or whatever. And it's just like, they're not using maximum efficiency, even though they're bigger than me and like they should be able to hit harder. But I'm using maximum efficiency, so I'm able to hit harder, and it's it's crazy. Like, and we we just have so much fun, like competing with each other, like doing that. Hundred percent, hundred percent, man. That's it's so awesome. Like just talking about like MMA, because I think it's just a great way to relieve stress. In my opinion. Yeah. Like I played um I played rugby in college, D one, uh for about a year. And it was just such a great stress relief. I never played it before, but I just picked it up so quick. And it was just like, damn, okay, like, I got hit. Like, I get cheap shot, like, headbutted or something like that. Like, blood would be coming out of my nose. And then, like, I would get back. And it's different from football because football, there's four 15-minute quarters, right, with, like, a, like a 10, 15-minute halftime. With rugby, there's two 40-minute halves. And it's, like, a five-minute halftime. So it's like, it is so cardio based. So like at first, like the guys who were like so much bigger than me, like they would just like be hitting me, hitting me. And sometimes I would like struggle to bring these guys down. But the last 25, 30 minutes of the match, you know, when they're all dragging ass on the map, then I'm just like, boom, looking like Goldberg with the spears. Yeah. yeah. My, my, when I first joined uh, my school, my sensei like judged me like <laughs> completely wrong because <laughs> like I have like a kind of like a bodybuilder body and they just thought like I was the guy who's going to like muscle through everything. And like they, they would treat me like extra hardly for that because they were like, because that's like the constant fight, right? The bodybuilder versus martial artist, like who's right, you know, right. strong, strength versus skill. Like, you know, so they'd always like kind of like beat me up for that. But like they learned like later that I'm just not that type of person at all. And I'm like, I understand it's a completely different skill set. So like when we would spar, like I always have different levels, you know, just like warm up, mid-level to maximum intensity. And like, if you go out of the gate at maximum intensity, you're going to gas out. Like you're going to burn out at, in a very short period of time. because we're only able to operate at our maximum for X amount of time. So it's all about being your maximum for short bursts of time. So that, that's why I learned in sparring. So like, I just pace myself, and then when the moment is, maximum effort. Okay, Deadpool, I see you. <laughs> yeah, maximum effort. <laughs> but I think just in terms of like boxing, to like bring it up. I know you don't watch boxing as much, but how about Tyson Fury, dude? I mean, like we talk about greats like you know Muhammad Ali, you know Manny Pacquiao, Floyd Mayweather, Rocky Marciano, Mike Tyson, George Foreman, you know Smoking Joe Frazier, like Oscar De La Hoya. It's like, dude, there's so many boxing greats, but how about Tyson Fury, dude? 
Yeah, he had the comeback. What was that? Deontay Wilder he fought? Yep. Yeah, like he lost. He was a champion. I actually heard him on uh, Rogan's podcast. That's how I even know about him. But like he talked about it like a year ago when he was on Rogan's podcast. He's like, oh, I'm I'm coming back. (laughs) And like he said he got like complacent when he was the champion. And that's what the problem was. He didn't have the challenge of something to strive towards. And now, like, that he lost, he had everything to prove and he had something to strive towards. And I think that's really what drove him to his victory. And, like, I think, like, having passion, purpose, and discipline, like, all come together is what enables, like, those those monumental moments to, like, happen. Like, everything is set up. Everything you do today is set up for the great thing you're going to do, like, three months from now or whatever, you know, years from now. Like, like you got to live your life in a way every day that like reflects what you want to be like in a year, you know, it's not enough to do it for like a short period of time. Like you, you have to be consistent. I think like, to me, I think Tyson Fury relates to a lot of people. You know how Muhammad Ali was a champion of the people, right? And he was yep. just very transcendent. I think Tyson Fury is more of that modern day version of that because Here's a guy, undefeated, had the whole world in the palm of his hand. Then, you know, he just gets super depressed. He vacates his title because he fails a drug test, loses it all, gets overweight, gets super depressed, and then, boom, it's like he comes back. And it's almost like he's fighting for people who almost don't have a voice for themselves, who are trying to find their purpose in the world. And, like, hearing about his story... Because I do watch boxing. I watch a little MMA. I used to watch MMA more. But that was when it was, like, intense. Like, light heavyweight, heavyweight. Like, when Brock Lesnar, you know, Frank Mirror, you know, Alistair Overeem. Like, when those guys were still in the division, you know, Junior Dos Santos, all those guys. Mm -hmm. That's when I was watching MMA more. But I stick to boxing a little more in that um, regard. I think we're different in that way. But I think it's just, like, whoa like he can come back from that and then when he got knocked down in that first wilder fight he's he looking like the undertaker he just got up and he's like <laughs> got right back up and just charged forward i'm like damn if they fight again wilder's gonna get knocked out and everyone just kept saying oh deontay's got the puncher's chance i'm like dude tyson's the better boxer he's gonna win since, since you're a boxing fan, you, you might know uh, – I'm forgetting the name of this fighter. There was, like, a famous fight between Mike Tyson and another guy who, who beat him. Buster you know? Douglas. Yes, Buster Douglas. Like, that story, like, that, that's, like, one of those stories that, like, get me. Because, like, his mom died, and his, like, his mom's like, my son's going to win this fight. And he's like, he's like, mama said it? I'm going to do it. And, like, he just yeah. – he just had that passion. He just defeated a demon in the ring. Now Mike Tyson's coming back to fighting and just, like, damn, like – like to me, fighting is so inspiring to like a lot of people, like like the average person, because it's just it's so visceral. <laughs> like you can very clearly see the determination and grit of both people, win or lose, fighting in the ring. But eventually, someone's will will persist over the others. So it's really like it's you know it's chess, it's physical chess, and it's also just mental resiliency, fortification, determination. So it's like whose will is stronger. That's that's really what excites me. Damn, you got so intense right there. It's almost like you went to like full Batman mode right there. So like, <laughs> did I? It went more. I was just like, damn. All right, Ethan. Like, uh, <laughs> still here? Like, geez. 
I just love fighting. Like I, I love martial arts. I have such a respect for it. And like, you know, like I get frustrated at like the commercialized parts of it. And like, when I see like real fighters, like come to the stage, it's awesome. Like I did martial arts. Right. And like, there'd be people that were like severely obese who have higher belts than me. And I'm like, yeah, you have a higher belt, but you can't do fucking anything right. Like, you know, it's like you just paid for it. Like, you like, like I hate, I hate when mediocrity is rewarded. And like, I just love like at that level in UFC, that kind of attitude gets weeded out fast. You know, it's just like, you're not going to be rewarded at that level. And like, that's, it's, it's crazy to me. Like, I just, I just hate seeing people get rewarded for paying, you know, like a pay to win system. Like for people like us, like, you know, like, I don't think either of us are going in the octagon, but like, hey, sure, maybe, sure. who knows? But like, you know, just like you're seeing the people in the octagon fighting, like that's the real deal. But like we do like martial arts classes, we're going to laugh because like you're going to see people that haven't earned the belt, but get the belt because they've paid for it. Like they've been there long enough. So like I, I'm a true lover of martial arts and like I've read different books on it and like, you know, like Art of Peace is really about like Aikido and like Aikido. And uh, I've read uh, Hakakure, which is about the samurai. I've read the epic novel of Miyamoto Musashi, who's like the most notorious samurai of all Japan, like hailed as the greatest to have ever lived, you know, and I just like, like the art of war also, like, you know, like those kind of, that mindset is like true discipline at high stakes. And like, I admire people that are able to operate on those levels. Are you sure you didn't write the art of war by Sun Tzu? Is that you? <laughs> Maybe I'm a reincarnation. <laughs> But I think uh, Genghis Khan said, um, he had many quotes, Genghis Khan did, but I think he was like, I am but the punishment of God. And if you had not committed great sins, God would have not sent a punishment, punishment like me upon you or something like that. I think I was okay. watching, uh, it was a martial arts movie when I heard that quote. But I mean, there's just like so much discipline and like it really makes sense just like hearing you talk and like, it's not only just passion, but it's like, you're high on life. You have this tenacity, just this indomitable will, and you have just like a strong, like moral compass, almost and discipline. And I admire that. Yeah, definitely. Like I'm very focused on developing myself, and that will give me the right to help other people develop. Like I, I always like kind of frame it as like if my thoughts and actions aren't enough to inspire me, why would it inspire someone else? So if my own words and beliefs cannot get me to the place that I want to be, why would it help someone else? So I have to be convicted to my words and like, I have to become the embodiment of my thoughts. Like having passion is great, but if I don't act on it, it's meaningless. Like, and to me, it's like what I'm always been obsessed about is like my own potential. I want to see how far, I can go and what I can create in my lifetime. Cause like really like we're just in the greatest sandbox ever and we can just do whatever we want. Like anything is truly possible. Like we both have podcasts, like who knows, like one day it could just boom, blow up millions of followers. Like that is a possible reality. Like, you know, like you are into fitness, like boom, 8% body fat ripped. Like, you know, like that's, possible like it all it's all a matter of being convicted to those actions and if you keep building it's very possible that you'll get there 
And to me, it's just like, I just never limit what I'm capable of. I always see the little more I can improve upon to get better. Like we're never like a perfected finished form. Like, you know, there's always another level. That's really just taking that accountability of every aspect in your life, getting 1% better, stacking your small wins and just knowing that even if you're not getting the results right away, you'll be able to just in the end, it'll all make sense. hundred percent. Like it's, it's really just about embodying the person with that you want to be with the values that you need to get there. Like I am like, you know, 8% body fat, Ethan, like I am like, you know, entrepreneur, Ethan, like I'm, I'm becoming that person, like by taking action, taking the steps forward every day, like I will become that version of myself because that's really the only thing that matters. It doesn't matter what stuff you buy and things you have. It matters what you can do, how you can impact others and just like what you're capable of, like just finding out the depth of the well that's inside of you. I think one of my lifetime goals, um, I wanted to like ask you about just like your philosophy, right? Cause you know, there's so much talk with religion and spirituality. Um, there's almost like this conflict, right? Like spirituality, sometimes, you know, people misconstrue it for, Oh, like you don't believe in God, but people, you know, who look at religion, it's almost like, you know, if you're too literal and you're too fundamentalist, where like you literally are taking everything verbatim, uh, the Bible, you're limiting your capacity, your ability to be fully conscious, right? So like, what's your take on religion and spirituality? It, do you have like one side of the spectrum or are you both? No, that's fine. So uh, I think at my core, I'm an atheist. I don't, I don't believe in God. But if it gives people benefit, like to believe in God and use that for moral framing and stuff, that's great. And like, I'm not going to take that away from someone because it's not my right. But for spirituality, like, I guess I'm, I'm kind of in that ballpark. Like some people take it too far, you know, and like they become like the self-love gurus and like, I'm not that guy. But like, to me, it's just like my version of spirituality is reaching my highest potential. Like, and that starts from within, you know, like, so in terms of spirituality, like I meditate, you know, I believe in like having a soul and like having, having like an essence, like something inside of you that makes you different from other people. Because like, you know, it's like, we all kind of think about that, like consciousness like exists. So like consciousness is kind of like our soul. If, if you want to look at it metaphorically or whatever. And like, to me, it's just like, I care about developing my consciousness to like this superhuman level. Like, like, are you familiar with uh, Wim Hof? Oh yeah. I love Wim Hof. I do meditative breathing every day. Yeah. Like I'll use that. Get in my horse stance and I start, you know, and I get, get, get my breathing in. Wim Hof climbed freaking Mount Everest without a shirt on in like, like just boots and shorts. Like that's fucking insane. Like, like the pure, capacity of humans like to be able to do that like something that should be impossible but he does it with the strength of his mind and like that's what what spirituality really is to me it's like develop 
developing that resilience of your soul, like on the inside, knowing your identity, knowing who you are in order to persevere. Like I'm not religious for a few reasons, but like, cause to me, it's like sometimes religion can shift the accountability away from yourself and onto like God or the devil or, or something like that. Like some sort of negative force that's acting against you. Right. Not and, taking hold, not taking almost accountability for yourself, but saying it as, Oh, well, instead of having free will to dictate and take control of your life, you're putting it towards a higher power. Yeah. And like, you know, like just the sheer number of atrocities committed in the name of religion really just make it hard for me to believe in God. Like, like the Holocaust itself, like, you know, it's literally the perfect example of just 6 million Jewish people perished because of their religion. And like, I'm sure they prayed to God for salvation, but it wasn't God, you know, it was the Russians, it was the Americans. They they were liberated Auschwitz, but you know, like stuff like that, it scares me. Like I was raised as a Roman Catholic and like my parents believe in God and like my mom has shifted her beliefs over the years and my, my father is still very much, you know, a Roman Catholic. But like, to me, it's like some of the immediate problems I see is that it leads us to kind of discriminate against other religions because like Roman, being a Roman Catholic means that like our God is the one true God and all other gods are fake and you shall not pray to any other gods or worship any other gods or idols but me. And like that kind of takes away because then it gets, it turns into a situation of like, my God's right, your God's wrong. Like, you know, you're heathen, like you're this, you're that. And when religion like divides us, like that's the worst thing. Like, like that sucks. Like it's supposed to be something that's inherently good. That's supposed to help us get better but then it divides us because of people take the Bible a little too literally. Maybe like to me, it's like, I love fiction. I love fantasy. I draw, I've drawn so many lessons from fantasy and fiction throughout my entire life. And like, they're, they're not real people. They're not real stories, but the lessons are there. And like, I can appreciate that there are lessons in the Bible. I can appreciate there are lessons in the Quran, you know, or like the Torah, but like, there's just, we can't be rigid. Like, rigidity is, like, death. Like, you know, it's like you got to constantly be flexible and moving. Like, there's always something we could learn from other people. We shouldn't just group off uh, people as good or bad based off of their beliefs. Like, you know, and, like, that happens a lot in the news, you know. Like, like, Muslims especially get pretty persecuted in the news just because, like, there are terrorist Muslims, but there there's the KKK, which are terrorist Christians. And then there's Mabba, which is, which are terrorist Buddhists. Like, you know, like they, they exist everywhere. There's extremists in every sect, but I think like, kind of like if people were able to just look at the, the core of everything, like of all the religions of the world, it's just that, you know, at, at the core, all it's asking is be a decent person, treat other people with respect and just, you know, live well. Like, you know, and, like, if people just did that instead of, like, you know, sanctimoniously preach to each other about who's right and who's wrong, like, we, we'd be better off. Like, you know, like, I, I just don't get it. Like, I'm, I'm not as invested in what other, how other people choose to live their lives. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't just be like, you're living your life wrong, Steve. Like, you know, like, you need to, like, change, like, you know, my beliefs are right. Yours are wrong, inferior. You pray to an inferior God. You heave, like, you know, like, it's stupid. Like, like, what, where does that get us? Whereas where a very good conversation can come out is, hey, like, this is what I believe in. 
what do you believe in? Oh, we believe in selling the same things. That's interesting. I never looked at it that way. Oh, I never looked at it that way. And then like you just learn something new. Like we're just people. Like we should stop hating each other because of these stupid, you know, insignificant differences that just happen based off of where you're born. Like, you know, like, wow, like we're born in America. Like, or I wasn't, I was actually born in Singapore and you know, it's just like, who cares? Like it doesn't matter. Like nothing matters at all. Like it's just, we're just people like stop dividing us. It's almost like I was thinking about that, right? Being able to maybe not agree, right? Not agree with somebody else. Mm-hmm. You have different views. I have different views. But at least being able to just be like, okay, you know, I can, I can see that. I don't agree with it. But, you know, I'll still give you the freedom to say that. Thinking from that higher perspective almost, do you think that's the problem with, like, religion and race is that we think of it, like, so basely almost. It's just like, Oh, like I'm white, like he's Asian, she's black, she's Indian, he's, you know, like Pacificer or like a religion. It's like you don't you're not a Christian, so I don't I don't believe in what you say. Like I don't like you because you're not this. You know what I mean? You think we need to evolve our way of thinking in that regard? Definitely. Like facts should always kind of supersede belief, shouldn't they? And like to me it's like we're no one's really just like purely one thing anymore. Like I feel like we're just past that. Like, like, if you look at your ancestry, like, odds are, like, like, white isn't a race. Black isn't a race. Like, you know, like, like, you're not, like, not every black person is African American. Like, you know, like, that's, like, that's just what people, you know, like, say, like, because they think it's political crap. Like, people, like, Jamaicans don't, like, see themselves as African American. They're Jamaican, like, you know, and, like, me, I'm Asian. So, like, my, my mom's from Singapore. I was born in Singapore. My dad is from Guyana. And, like I'm a mix of those things and my mom's family is super diverse and you know I'll tell people I'm Asian they're like oh you're Chinese I'm like no I'm not <laughs> like you know like Asia's a continent like there's a lot to Asia there's a lot of countries in Asia I don't have COVID-19 I swear. I swear oh my god like that yeah that's like super racist shit like it comes up and it's annoying like I, I'm part of like like different like communities of Asian people and like and I have friends that are Asian Chinese and people like you have COVID and like, like it's so fucking stupid. It's like, like, why would you say that? Like, it's terrible. Like it's, it's just racism. And like, to me, it's, it's dumb. Like, I don't get it. Like, I appreciate that everyone's a little different, you know, like we come from different backgrounds. We can be different in culture, but in, in our nature, we're the same. We're just people, you know, we're, we're raised to hate other people because of their differences, you know, or like we stereotype people based off of the color of their skin. And, you know, and it leads to like, like the diversity is, it's stupid. I embrace everyone. Like, I don't care. Like, you know, like your race, religion, whatever, as long as you're a good person, you try to live life in a good way. That's, that's all that really matters. Like we got to stop, you know, just classifying ourselves and playing with like a team, mentality for our team my team's better than your team and you know like i know you know like you know it's just, stuff like that just doesn't advance us anywhere and it's it just leads everyone to being a lot more miserable whereas you just be surprised like who you connect with despite what they look like you know so i agree know. we gotta I agree. that put good energy out there you'll receive it and it's really 
the world is really what you focused on. Not it's not just the law of attraction; it's the law of attention. Ethan, this has been a kick-ass episode of Dominate the Deal. I'm super glad to have you on, ladies and gentlemen. This was a massively value-packed episode of Dominate the Deal. This is Steve Zekas, the Snatcher Swap, signing off for right now. Before I leave, I'm going to turn it over to Ethan DeBrayu real quick. If you have any closing comments, anybody you want to shout out to, anything you want to promote, just feel free to have at it, brother. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Uh, if you want to check out some of my stuff, guys, uh, you can find me on Instagram at Ethan D. Brayu. That's the best place to reach me. My podcast is at Strength of the Pack Podcast. You can find my book on Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com. It is The Ink of My Soul and the Fire in My Bones. And I would love it if you read it and told me what you thought. I never, ever turn away a DM from a happy reader. <laughs> So again, thank you so much for having me on. I hope you guys got some value out of it. My pleasure. I got a lot of value too. I think we really dove deep into value. We talked about entrepreneurship, discipline. Um, you know, we talked, you know, we got super vulnerable, right? You know, we talked about low points. We really honed in on philosophy, you know, how we can really change our perspective of the world and become better people. I, I was just very excited to have you on. It's an honor have you on and i'm sure we're definitely going to be collaborating again in the very near future but until next time folks stay strong dominate your path forge your own will be like steel my friends be solid but be flexible to change <laughs> on, on that note ethan thank you again and i'll see you all soon all right i'll see you man